are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing? Fantastic. Fantastic, Jeff, and I'm really excited for today's guest. Yeah, yeah, no, me as well. Uh, you know, um, really interesting company. Um, Living in interesting times yep. and uh, a fantastic career trajectory. Actually. For sure. Yeah. Uh, joining us today is Kristen Fallon, who is the marketing communications executive at GE Power. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Kristen. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Kristen, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do at GE? Sure. So I work at GE Power and as most people probably know, GE is a conglomerate. So we've got aviation, healthcare, um, many, many businesses. So I work at, at the GE Power business, which um, sells big, large power generating equipment and then all of the grid distribution equipment. And I lead our uh, marketing communications or customer communications team, we kind of call it both, um, which includes events, uh, content, and then the brand and narrative for the business. And look, I, I think we may as well jump right into it because you've just uh, gotten back from a bit of a whirlwind tour uh, uh, promoting some or at least producing some content that's going to be going live here shortly if it hasn't already. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so we are in the midst of a really cool partnership with CNN. Um, and some of you guys may have seen some of the content already. So it's uh, it's a partnership where um, we're actually working with Turner's Courageous Studios on some branded content. So together, we've been building out um, a series of what we're calling Tier A or kind of anthemic videos about the work that GE is doing globally in the energy industry. And then to supplement those videos, we've got a number of kind of um, shorter form or smaller assets like articles or really short videos. Um, and those have started rolling out on CNN's social media channels already. They've been live for probably a month now. And actually tomorrow, the first anthemic video is going to go live. So I am recently back from a trip with the Courageous Studios team out to Ethiopia, Pakistan, uh, and several countries in the Middle East. It's amazing. I, you know, it's it really, um, you know, when, when we first started chatting and um, I heard about uh, delivering higher content-driven impact, um, I, I've got to admit, my mind didn't immediately go to a partnership with CNN necessarily. So, I guess unpack that strategy a bit more for us and talk to us about the, uh, the the part that this plays in the larger larger strategy moving forward. Yeah, so there, there's two key pieces to this. You know, one is the creative that we're building, and so these videos, um, which you'll you'll get to see very soon, they're really different. So we hired a host. And we sent him out on location to visit places where GE technology is delivering real human impact. And so he's there and he's um, exploring how the energy industry is transforming and what sort of technology is available to really help people ultimately get access to electricity. And um, it's it's cool. It's it was inspired by Anthony Bourdain, so it's got a really uh, fun kind of fast paced, curious style to it. And so we think the creative is really unique, and so that's part of um, 
why we went with this partnership. The other piece is the distribution. So the channels to market. Um, and just to say the elephant in the room, I mean, GE is going through a tough time right now. And, you know, we've got some operational challenges and that's really playing out in the media. And so we thought that CNN was a really great way to get branded content out on their channels to a really broad audience where we can tell some really positive stories about the impact we're having. I think that's um, what I find really interesting about that Well, a number of things. But one is that, you know, I think a lot of people, their initial instinct would have maybe have been to, to kind of uh, hide a bit more. And it seems like you, yours has been to push forward, uh, not to to hide from an, the, the, the news channel in the time of... Uh, uh, of uh, t- tough times, as you say, but 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 rather actually say let's let's use the same channel and tell our t- tell tell another story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, what's playing out in the media it, it's it's got to run its course. You know, we we do have operational issues. We are committed to fixing, and you hear that straight from our CEO. Um, the other reality is that we've got a lot of great stories to tell. Um, you know, we are very committed to excellence. We have incredible technology. Um, we've been innovating for over a hundred years and we continue to innovate and, and we hear from our customers that they want us to win. We know from our employees that, you know, they want GE to win. And so it's, it's an easy story to tell actually. Um, and it's just a matter of really finding, I think, the right creative approach to it and, and that distribution channel. You know, when we talk about winning, um, one thing that you've, you've said a, a previous that this just um, resonated with me was this notion that your, 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 your competitors for content are in some ways different than your business competitors. You have to think about that differently. Can you explore that a bit more? Yeah. So... You know, as we as we think about um, how we can grab people's attention or how we can, um, you know, get them to feel something from our content or even pay attention to it, you know, I, I think you have to be as a marketer really honest about just how much information people are receiving on a daily basis. I mean, we're, you know, we're all humans. We're all getting it from so many different angles and we have a finite amount of time in a day in which we can consume information. And so, you know, me as a consumer of information, if I, you know, tend to consume information, let's say in the morning over coffee or in the evening or on a lunch break, you know, that's a finite amount of time. And I'm going to be consuming what's most interesting to me. And in many ways, I think we feel like, yeah, we know what our product competitors are, but from a content competition standpoint, we're competing with ESPN cat videos, you know, all these other things that people are consuming. So we've got to find a really creative way to grab them. And it's almost like the, you know, for a while there, certainly with the smaller organizations, you know, there, there was a, an allowance for uh, lesser quality or, or lo-fi solutions for this kind of thing. But it's almost like we've, we've moved to a point where that's no longer acceptable and we have to start to go high in in terms of quality for these things have you found that you know the the sorts of content that you need to produce as an organization that the expectation for quality is just so much higher than it was five years ago we have and i think 
you know, I think like most, we're still figuring out what that balance is of volume and kind of noise in, in the marketplace versus like really high quality content. Um, because I think there still is value in, you know, let's say on social media, just, you know, sending out lots of, of nuggets because, you know, you have to catch eyeballs at any given moment in time. But um, we know that if we really want to engage people in a meaningful way, we need higher quality content. You know, it's every marketer um, who's been to within, you know, a mile radius of a marketing conference in the last <laughs> three years has heard somebody drone on about how video will be the next big thing and this everybody needs a video strategy and on and on and on. And I mean, I can't help. I mean, basically what you just, what you just said that, um, you know, in some ways our attention spans haven't, you know, we're not, we don't have any more of a, more attention. We only have more noise. And uh, it just leads me to think that more video will be ignored next year than, than in every, any other year in history. Um, you know, in some ways, everybody likes to think, focus on the other, that more video will be produced. And it's like, yes, and more will be ignored than ever before, um, <laughs> which is daunting, I think, if you're a producer of video. Um, but I also think um, for, for a brand like GE Power, um, I, I kind of wonder, because you, you mentioned how you have a... a you know, you're looking for lots of different nuggets, if you will, uh, that you can put out in social or what have you. And I think in some ways that was a nod to a lower uh, production quality uh, a content, something that's a little bit more uh, quick and dirty, if you will. Um, how do you, as a brand leader, um, ensure consistency across um, a landscape where the number of touch points is multiplying dramatically? Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, for a company of our scale, it's it's definitely hard. I think one way we we do it or we're trying to do it is to be more consistent with um, what I would call primary assets. So those key pieces that you can then break up into or atomize into, um, you know, derivative assets that could be pushed out in multiple places over multiple times, but everything kind of stemming from one point of view or one anthemic video or one really solid piece of content. That's one way we've been going about it. Um, you know, I think another way actually gets into, you know, how we work on the back end. So we've been for the last two years working on building out uh, content operations. So looking at, you know, a software platform that can help us on the back end to better coordinate. And, um, you know, the tool we're using really helps all of our content creators get in there and have visibility to all of the content we're creating and when it's going out. And that's driving better dialogue across all of our teams as well. So I think it's it's a number of ways and, and um, you know, the world is is more and more decentralized and content is too. And so I think kind of having a good structure and framework of you know what your brand guidelines are, what your your core beliefs are and core messages are, and and you know some idea of um, what that should look like, and then to the next degree, just kind of letting people run with it within those guidelines. Now that also includes our internal communicators. Um, 
which is an interesting element actually, because, you know, content is 360 today. And so we are looking at how external facing content can be more effectively repurposed internally. Um, but it's definitely a lot of people. And, you know, I, there was something that caught my eye a few weeks ago, Scott Brinker, who is the um, visionary behind the big MarTech infographic that everybody knows so well. Um, yeah, it's part of HubSpot now. That's right. That's right. So he came out and he said recently that one thing that really excites him about MarTech in 2019 is you're starting to see how this sort of technology helps you balance out, you know, centralized behavior versus distributed behavior. And that gets at, you know, how do we keep a consistent message or brand? Well, <clears throat> you can kind of decide, like, what are the things that are universal to all? And then where can, let's say, regional teams take that and localize it? And so, um, you know, what he said is that he's seeing MarTech really better enable that. And we're definitely feeling that at GE with our content operations. You're listening to The Coolering, conversations on manufacturing marketing. Don't forget to subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the coolering. That's kulapartners.com slash the coolering. There must have been some key uh, milestones of complexity, if you will. Um, uh, and at what point did you really feel like we need a better system to organize what's happening? Here? Yeah, we've been feeling the pain for a while. I mean... You can imagine before we had this platform, which, by the way, I I tend to draw big parallels between this platform and CRMs because, you know, when you think about the sales team and everybody's got a CRM, right, or most people have one, um, the concept behind that was, hey, we've got this highly distributed sales force out there. We need to, you know, just have better visibility and, and better support for them. Um, let's create this platform. And it's really, I think, empowered salespeople and em empowered teams to work better together. And so that's very much how we're using this platform as well. Before we had this platform, you know, we were collaborating um, <laughs> through email, through Word documents, through Excel, through Smartsheet, Box, you name it. And I could go on and on, so many different platforms and we've now consolidated into one space. So simply the simplification of it has really helped us to work better together. You know, when you adopt a platform, and this is again why I love this CRM comparison, because I think CRM administrators know this very well. When you roll out a new platform, there's always some resistance to it. And it's a it's because it's a different way of behaving. And Maybe not everybody sees value in the same way. So, you know, the other complexity to rolling this out has been just getting everybody on board and into the platform. And it's certainly a journey. And we've got um, a really tremendous team helping to onboard our users, help people in the tool. Um, but it's kind of like running a marathon. I mean, you have to train and you have to change your behavior to really excel in it. Absolutely. I mean, um, you're quite right on the CRM front. Um uh, that the the adoption is always a harder uh, hill to climb than the implementation. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the decision to purchase the tool is almost the easy part of the journey. There, yeah, <laughs> yes. 
fascinating uh, to me in um, is I think that in some way what you're um, what you're responding to with that um, that that challenge of distributed content creation is is really um, informed by the global footprint that GE Power has and and um, and and that cannot be uh, in my mind divorced from your uh, global uh, career trajectory, if you will, um, because I think it leads you to, to think about it in a, in a unique way. Can you perhaps tell our listeners a little bit about uh, how you've come to this role in GE? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's a very fair observation um, in, in that I've got a global perspective. So uh, just after university, I joined the Peace Corps, which in the U.S., it's um, it's a U.S. program, it's government funded, and you basically go out for two years on a volunteer assignment. So I was placed in a small village in West Africa um, where I was working with entrepreneurs, um, very hands-on, grassroots level work. Um, and in this case, the bulk of my work was focused on helping a group of cow herders to build a milk pasteurization facility. And, you know, as I look back on my career, sometimes when you're in it, you don't see it, but you look back on it later and you're like, oh, it makes so much sense. I think that was probably the first time that I really saw the impact that technology has on humans um, and just how amazing, you know, it could be to work for a technology company one day. Um, so that was an incredibly, uh, empowering experience to uh, have to be out in a village and kind of figuring things out on my own, um, working in a different culture and a different language. And that led me to continue down the field of international development. So I was, um, I joined a consulting firm after that, that was doing work with USAID around the globe. And they sent me out to manage operations in one of their projects in Indonesia. And I was there for a couple of years with them until that contract ended. And it was in my late twenties, I guess, that, um, you know, I was out there, really loved the work, but really wanted to kind of explore what I could do in my career and, and frankly, take some risks. So I was unmarried. I didn't have a mortgage, you know, I just had a suitcase and, uh, I, you know, ended that work and started my own consulting business. So I was consulting to eight organizations that were looking to get into the region or, or work in the region. So doing business development and sales work for them uh, and marketing and communications. So really exciting work, um, really hard work. But I think, you know, being based in the region, working throughout so many countries in that region, I really got an appreciation for, um, just, you know, what it means to be working in a global environment and how you, different cultures work together differently, right? And, and so you have to, I think, work in a way that, that's acknowledging that and, and listening for that. And I learned very early to do a lot more listening than talking um, and just bring that global mindset to everything I do. It's really... Um... Uh, interesting. I'm just connecting these these pieces ar around um, the global management of content and your understanding that 
different cultures communicate differently. I think it drives to that heart of consistency uh, and the challenge in it. Um, Cause I, I, I can just, I'm just imagining um, even brand, uh, brand language documentation, if you will, uh, uh, a, a document that helps people understand the brand voice and 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 how we're going to uh, express ourselves in the market. You know, even the words that are used in that document probably have you know, different meanings in different cultures and can be expressed in different ways. It just must really uh, add to that consistency challenge. Absolutely, and I think that this is an exciting space for for content actually right now and we we even felt what you're describing on this cnn project so you know how do you take elements of your brand that are universal uh or elements of a narrative that are universal and then you know make it applicable to one region um or how do you do the reverse which is take a story that's very regional specific and now elevate that out to be universal. So, you know, for example, one of the stories that we're telling with Courageous and, and airing on CNN um, is a story about the Middle East and how they are really leaning into a diverse energy mix to power the region. And, you know, for those of us not living in the Middle East, this is a pretty cool story because we all kind of have this, you know, perception of there's a region that's, you know, um, risen uh, and grown in the last, you know, 60 or 100 years around gas and oil. And here they are aggressively going towards wind and solar. And so, you know, the story talks about why is that and, and what's the technology to support it? Well, for somebody in the Middle East, this is not news. And for those of us in the rest of the world, that's really interesting. So we needed to make a video that was going to be both interesting to our Middle Eastern audience, but also globally applicable because so many other regions in the world are also moving towards an energy mix, but they're doing it for different reasons. So I think you're right. You, you know, every single one of us as a, a marketer really has to come in with that global perspective and that appreciation because if you want your message to resonate, you've really got to get at those nuances. I think this is a, a huge challenge for manufacturing marketers as they, uh, you know, as M&A activity continues to drive uh, a, a lot of uh, marketing communications effort in the space. Um, and, and, and with that comes global expansion. I, I just think there's a ton of manufacturing marketers that are struggling with this very thing that you're speaking of. Well, even just how to bring together multiple organizations that are coming from different cultures and, and trying to coexist or, or begin to become, you know, a single brand, mm. you know, it's incredibly difficult to see those gel without being empathetic to, you know, where people are coming from. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, at its most basic, it starts with just a foundation of getting to know each other and appreciating the perspectives that each of us bring to the table. And um, I will say, I think what's helped the global environment a lot is definitely the ease of communication and, and even video conferencing, right? Like we could be sitting in our home and turn on a, a video camera and talk to our colleagues in, in China. And I think the more that we can create those human relationships with our colleagues across uh, the ocean or, or wherever, um, 
first and and then kind of tackle, you know, what is the message and and always being open-minded. I just think that that really makes for better content ultimately. I can't help but think that as you said that, that really the, you know, in some ways what you're telling us is that the, the key to producing great content, especially for an organization of your scale is really the key is cultural. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's very true. I think, um, it, it, it absolutely is. And, and I think as, you know, content continues to, uh, reach everywhere. I mean, for example, this, this content we're, we're putting out on CNN, it's actually going out on CNN international, but we know that it's appearing in us media. Let's say like, we just, I think we really have to recognize, um, the different cultures and, uh, yeah, yeah. Make it all harmonious. Kristen, this has been a, I think an interesting exploration. I think we've bantered, uh, around between, uh, some content production kind of almost best practice and then uh, to a very inspiring career trajectory that I think would give a lot of, uh, frankly, younger listeners who may be thinking about kind of how this uh, marketing field uh, looks as the, as their career unfolds. I mean, I think you've given people a, a lot to think about in a, in a variety of areas today. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad. Thank you for that. Well, thanks very much for joining us on The Cooler Ring, Kristen. Thanks, guys. It was great to be here. And we look forward to catching up uh, on your next uh, CNN adventure or, or wherever it may take you. And, and to the extent that you want to f- feature the cooler ring on CNN, <laughs> you're welcome to do so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll definitely be putting you guys on my LinkedIn. Um, and if you guys want to see the, the work we're putting out on CNN, I'll be posting that on, on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Wonderful. We'll be sure to follow you there. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.